Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 7.33 here at WCCO. And my guest, my first guest tonight is Dan Kaufman. He is an author, and the name of the book is The Fall of Wisconsin, The Conservative Conquest of a Progressive Bastion and the Future of American Politics. What is this all about? Well, this past Tuesday, Wisconsin held that spring election to settle races on board seats, mayoral challenges and referendum issues. Um, The most publicized race was the one for a vacant seat on the state Supreme Court. Now, Democrat Janet, let me hope, hope I get it right, Protosawitz defeated Republican Daniel Kelly to give the court a left lean for the first time since 2008. Now, what does this mean for the citizens of the state? And will it last? Well, we're going to talk to Dan Kaufman and find out. Welcome, Dan. How are you? How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing well, sir. I am so excited to have you on tonight because that's one of the big questions for me. Um, What does this really mean to the citizens of the state of Wisconsin, as well as all the rest of us that are watching to see what would happen? Well, I think it has huge implications, not just for the state, but for the entire country. Um, Wisconsin has been under the most extreme partisan gerrymandering since 2011, when Republicans redistricted the state in a kind of secretive process at a law firm across the street from the state capitol. Um, and that um, redistricting was reaffirmed in 2021 when the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which was then ruled by a conservative four to three majority, uh, ruled that the state should the state's map should have the least changes to the 2011 maps, which is essentially perpetuated the um, agenda of the politicians that had designed that map in 2011. So that's huge. And the other uh, factor, of course, is the abortion law. Uh, After the Dobbs decision in a law from 1849 went into effect in the state, essentially, and it's prohibited all abortions except to save the life of a mother and threatened to uh, jail uh, abortion providers with up to 60 years in prison, stripping them of their medical license. And I think most important for the rest of the country is, uh, as probably most of your listeners know, Wisconsin is always closely divided, or has been recently, not always, in presidential elections. And the results of the 2020 presidential election, in which Wisconsin was one of three states to essentially determine the Electoral College um victory of Joe Biden uh, came before the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and the court seriously entertained a challenge to those results 
that would have thrown out hundreds of thousands of ballots from Dane and Milwaukee counties, the state's largest and most democratic, and only by a single vote were the election results, um, uh, you know, maintained. So I think it has huge implications. There's also many other laws that may come under challenge. For example, the anti-labor legislation that Scott Walker passed in 2011 that mm-hmm. essentially eliminated collective bargaining rights for public employees, voter ID law, and so on and so forth. The state was kind of a conservative laboratory for quite some time. So. Yeah, I remember when Wisconsin started changing, I mean, changing big time. And I'm just wondering, is it is it ever going to change back to what it was 50 years ago or even 30 years ago? It's so different now. And I'm, we're seeing this all over the country. That's what's so amazing to me. But one thing about Janet Protasewicz, who won this time, it's a big win. I'm just curious to know, are there other voices now um, in in this on this court that would you know work to make sure that Wisconsin would stay where it is right now or is it that we're going to see another change in what four years or something like that is this something that's going to last because usually they say once you get on the Supreme Court you are on it for life well in uh, in Wisconsin judges are elected for 10-year terms and there will be another election in 20. 20- 25 that could switch it back. Um, Democrats have been remarkably successful in the past five years. They've won 15 of 18 statewide elections, including Mm. this one that just happened. So I think there's been a change. um, And largely, a lot of it is a backlash against, essentially, 12 years of minority rule. The the holds on the state legislature has increasingly sort of culminated in a anger and um, sort of hope uh, on the progressive side. And I think they saw in this election an opportunity to, um, to change some of the structural things that have been imposed upon the state, a lot of it from powerful conservative donors and think tanks, and much of that money has come from out of state. So I think there's a resentment that kind of has been percolating for a long time it sort of burst into the open. And Daniel Kelly, the uh, conservative opponent, was a not a very um, attractive candidate for a lot of people. He was very extreme. He was involved with consulting with the Republican Party on the January 6th. Um, the state Republican Party uh, was considering a plan to um, send a slate of fake electors um, that would support Donald Trump. And so I think there was... Uh, many reasons, but I think the victory is hugely significant, as is the margin of the victory, and um, whether or not it represents a fundamental sea change or just a temporary one remains to be seen. But I think there will be big changes afoot um, because the governor is a Democrat, and the uh, now the uh, Supreme Court is controlled by liberals. So, you know, as soon as. Um someone wins a political fight um, like Janet. Um, It's just quite amazing what people will do. They'll start immediately hearing what she said before and really hold her to it. So if she is saying something Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the voices of now or I am going to be, um, it's all about delivering justice and bringing common sense. You know, you wrote about this. And I just keep asking myself, if we make promises in any position political, especially this one, is it that we should we have to stick to it, or if we don't, 
What are the consequences for this? Because right now, many Democrats are just living in this joy that she won. One point, just like you said, one point. She's living in this thing. And we are all that are Democrats are saying, yes, thank goodness. But then what happens if all of a sudden she slips? What do you well, say? I, 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 I don't I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously politicians don't always follow through. Um, and on the other hand, there's a 10 year term for a Supreme Court justice. So I think the pressures will be, you know, um, I mean, I think it's a combination. You know, obviously things have there was the race is officially nonpartisan. That has been a farce for a long time. And it was quite clear where each candidate stood um, on the major issues that will come before the court. Um, you know, I, I really don't know how to answer your question because uh, I think, you know, uh, there's some insulation in the state Supreme Court from immediate political pressures, namely the 10 year term. And I think that um, there's a lot. She was very clear, pretty much about her position. She was very strongly pro-labor. She was called the maps rigged and she uh, loudly proclaimed that she was pro-choice. So I don't think there's going to be I, I don't see in what way that she would probably rule differently. Obviously, she has to, you know, follow the law. And um, but that is interpretable. I mean, the Wisconsin state constitution suggests that there's a remedy for every harm. Well, under those conditions, um, you could certainly argue that um, voters have been harmed by the maps in the state, which, um, you know, so, I mean, and I think women have been harmed, you know, abortion providers are under an incredible uh, stressful situation where they face, even if they perform an abortion to save the life of the mother, there's a legal cloud hanging over them in which they could face up to six years in prison and lose their medical license. So I think there's very little, um, most of the state also, I think you can see the distortion of, the gerrymandering in the state's politics, two-thirds of the state or more favor abortion in all or more most cases. Uh, two-thirds or more are against the want a fair match uh, commission to determine the state's districting boundaries. So I think the gerrymandering has really distorted Wisconsin's politics and, and kind of presented itself, presented the state as sort of a, a deep south anti-labor stronghold when the population doesn't want those things. Now, how far they'll be able to, as you say, turn it back is, is unclear, you know, but, uh, but it is, it is hugely significant because the court's role in affirming um, these changes that have been going on since 2011 has been really consequential, particularly since the governor won uh, in 2018 and defeated Scott Walker. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was Tony Evers. So, yeah. Yeah, that was huge as well. I guess for me as a woman um, who is fighting politically on so many fronts, I keep asking myself, where do we go next and how do we keep it going? How do you've got so many that are angry? You've got so many that are are angry on a, in a whole different way. It's like two conversations are going on and nobody's really talking. Do you know what I mean? That's the challenge for me. And as I've always wanted to run for a political office, and it scares me every time I read these stories about the things they say about women and how awful it is sometimes. Now, you know how politics work, uh, whether it's in Wisconsin or other states, I'm not sure. But it is very clear that women are treated differently from men when it comes to running for a political um, space. And I wonder if you agree with me on that. 
Well, I think there's a lot of misogyny in politics. I think that in general, the whole political system is deeply flawed in these days, largely because of dark money. I think racism and misogyny are, are useful tools to the right in order to gin up a, a base that's, you know, um, might share those sentiments, but also has been sort of hollowed out by economic uh, insecurity. I mean, a lot of jobs have been lost in Wisconsin and people, the area all across the Rust Belt is really ripe for resentment, the politics of resentment. So I think those things can really flourish in that context. You saw a lot of racism directed at Mandela Barnes, the, um, the Senate candidate that lost narrowly to Ron Johnson. And you saw a lot of misogynistic attacks on Janet Portisavich as well. I do think, though, one of the larger issues is just the amount of money on both sides, dark money, that has fueling um, these increasingly vitriolic campaigns. Um, and a lot of it is directed at women, but I think in general it doesn't serve our society very well when it's directed at anyone. And I think some of the most of the campaigns on the ad front in Wisconsin was sort of both sides attacking each other for being soft on crime. Um, Janet has many more positive ads than Dan Kelly, but her first ad was, was um, you know, attacking him for defending uh, some people accused of child molestation. So it's not a very enlightened campaign because of a lot of uh, dark money. And I wish it was different. And I, I do decry the misogyny. Um, and I think, um, you know, until we get the money out of politics, this, these kinds of campaigns will, will flourish. And yeah, it's increasingly scary out there. I agree with you. It is. It's really frightening. I have to say, um, Dan Kaufman, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Now, you are a contributor to The New Yorker and author of the book we have talked about just a moment ago, or mentioned at least, The Fall of Wisconsin, The Conservative Conquest of a Progressive Bastion and the Future of American Politics. Uh, and I thank you for joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, and I do hope we can call on you again in the future. Thank you so much. No problem. It was my pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right, so good night. Okay. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 